The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me. Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, Adam, uh, never, never a dull moment in uh, doing this podcast and covering this team. And it seems like any time either one of us have any time away, be it for work, be it for pleasure, something crazy happens with a sports team in the state of Wisconsin. The Brewers have traded Corbin Burns. The thing that we thought maybe wouldn't happen after recent moves happened, and we're here to talk about it before we get into all that. Adam, how you doing? I'm doing well. You said never a dull moment. The reality is there have been endless dull moments lately, and yet they just chose a time when you were out of town and we hadn't really game true for this particular level of uh, news to drop, but... Hey, look, I was awake. You were able to make it work. Here we are, emergency podcast. We're delivering for the people, even if it's it's not ideal circumstances. Yeah, it's not, but we we will do it anyway. Full disclosure, I've been at a work event all night. I've had some wine, Adam. I've got a glass <laughs> of wine next to me now. <laughs> I, I feel like this is the best way to do this. Uh, the last time, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. The last time we podcasted, in Charlotte, North Carolina, right? When I was there, 
was recapping the Brewers' playoff exit. Colton Burns' uh, final for- game was a Brewer. That as well. It was probably like, what, five in the morning for me, six in the morning? I can't remember. Uh, so I think when, you know, I'm in this city, weird things or bad things or good things are going to happen for the Brewers. Uh, we'll go through the trade. Uh, Jeff Passan and Kylie McDaniel reporting that the full trade is final. Baltimore gets Corbin Burns, the Baltimore Orioles, a team that we have long said is a trade partner for the Brewers that makes a lot of sense. The Brewers get infielder, so shortstop, second base. I'm sure he can play third, too. I haven't had a lot of time to dig into his innings played in the minor leagues uh, in the last few hours. Joey Ortiz, left-handed pitcher D.L. Hall, who uh, pitched in relief for Baltimore um, a lot last season, a guy that I think is viewed long-term as a starter and the 34th pick in the 2024 MLB draft. Um, so basically an equivalent pick that the Brewers would have gotten in 2025 had Corbin Burns um, received a qualifying offer. And uh, one thing that uh, I think we thought after the last episode is that uh, looking at the roster moving forward and thinking of trades that they could potentially make one weak spot on the roster was what do you do about Willie Adamas uh, moving forward as he was not going to be uh, signed long-term and the, the trade market was rumored to have cooled uh, poor uh, per John Morosi. So you've got a potential replacement for Willie Adamas and Joey Ortiz. If he becomes your long-term shortstop, you have a exciting pitching prospect to replace Burns in the rotation in theory. And then you have a draft pick. Um, The other thing that we presumed uh, was that the market for rentals was a little weak because guys like Burns, Shane Bieber uh, had not been moved. Dylan Cease, who still has two years on his deal uh, with the White Sox, had not been moved. So for all things considered and all of the variables at play, I mean, I come away, and Adam, you know, if there was any reason – for me to just absolutely complain about ownership or the front office or whatever it may be, I would go for it. You would go for it. We both would because, you know, we <laughs> with the year of accountability, Adam, we like holding people accountable. But I come away really fine with this trade and think that the Brewers can still be competitive in 2024 if everything breaks right. But overall, they did not let their most valuable asset go away for nothing. But I, I see that people – are coming away thinking this is a light return. And I think that's just the nature of the game for rentals in this day and age. Yeah. I think all that's fair. I mean, this is something of a signaling. It's not even something. This is a, this is the beginning of a new era of Brewers baseball. I think something as momentous as Jackson Churio's extension and him going to be an opening day starter, which is more certain than ever when you're kind of moving things in this direction. Like that all fits into part of a bigger picture. Like this is a real sea change and something really kind of drastically different and exciting to get behind. We know all about the kind of, I guess, the reluctance for a teardown. This is a, this is a teardown in some ways, but as we've said for quite a while now, you've got so many good pieces that this is going to be a very competitive team with the potential for, you know, if some of these younger guys click pretty quickly. 
you could actually find yourself being a very good team, but a good team with all the road in the world in front of you instead of very little road left to be traveled. Um, like I'm just scrolling MLB pipeline here of Joey Ortiz at 63, for example. That gives the Brewers five prospects inside the top 63. Uh, things are in very, very good shape. And the Brewers are in a position of strength, I think, to continue retooling here. And this it's somewhat kind of we, we touched this on the the Reese Hoskins episode, which was that was a really kind of an obvious need to have that kind of power hitter at what is their greatest position of need for quite some time. You address that, and then that kind of opened the avenue for trades if they wanted to. We weren't sure that they'd go that route, but they have. Honestly, it could just be the start. They may they may decide to retool things even further. We could be looking at a really young team to start the season. But these aren't, like, nothing prospects. Like, the Brewers are... They are able to tear it down, but to do so with a lot of high-quality players, which hopefully we're going to see things trending in the right direction very quickly. Sorry, I laugh as you're talking because Foul Territory has Ken Rosenthal on right now and it looks like he's wearing a t-shirt so it looks like he's recording like a ransom video where someone has him like kidnapped somewhere and I can't stop laughing at that. I what, what side of the the Will or Will Corbin Burns not be traded fence was Ken Rosenthal most recently on? I know he's he's had a tumultuous offseason on that particular subject. He's like me where uh, he's he sits on the fence with everything and he was aggressively Brewers tear down at the beginning of this offseason. I, I assume you've seen the image that I'm seeing now. No, I, um, I was just laughing at the idea of you being someone who sits on the fence. Uh, you don't agree? No, I don't agree. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, and then, you know, recently it's been nothing's going to happen. And I'm seeing a lot of uh, consternation. Um among Brewer, uh, Brewers fans on Twitter. And, excuse me, I get it, but I also think this is better than, and like I said, I would have been totally fine with them running into this season with Corbin Burns, leading the rotation, and, uh, you know, them getting the draft pick. But also, the fact that you've got, and D, uh, Joey Ortiz uh, wasn't necessarily a name that was exciting me, going into this, but I, I want to scroll up to what um, Kurt Hoag said on Twitter uh, as this trade broke. The quick reports on Joey Ortiz and D.L. Hall. Ortiz, MLB ready, glove first shortstop with good contact rates. Time will tell how the bat translates to the majors. D.L. Hall plus stuff for pitch mix. Uh, for pitch mix. Used out of the bullpen last year, could be elite there, but as a shot to start, and then uh, the draft pick, obviously, Adam. You know, it could be, it could be the boat that they've already given us, or it could be anything. It could also be a boat. Uh, so I, I think, I think you come out of this with value, major league ready value, which I think was something that was very important in not making it a full teardown. So I understand why you see Brewers trade Corbin Burns. Oh, here we go again. Uh, but and you know. The Josh Hader return turned out to be 
good in the sense that Robert Gasser is probably going to be in your major league rotation this year, and you were able to swindle the Oakland A's into, for some reason, thinking SDA. Yeah, that's, that's down the road, though. That's, no, but you, know, you yeah. know how I feel about it. Like, because it's just important because people are, this is not a Josh Hader return. That's like. Yeah, my thing is, like, you're not doing this in the middle of a season where you lead the division. You're doing this ahead of a new era where you've committed yourself to Jackson Shorio for the near and long-term future and have a lot of other young talent that looks like a new wave of Brewers baseball. It's not just, like, punting on something. You can say it's punting on the 24 season, but I don't think it's doing that. And I think it's it's – Bridging the gap exactly how I think they should have. And I'm a little surprised. I honestly thought the Reese Hoskins signing was a sign that, you know, they were going to go not all in for winning in 2024, but that, you know, Greg Council's in Chicago. Um, we <laughs> we can't let him get away with this. Mark <laughs> Adonazio is going to hold on to all of our major league assets. Uh, and I think that would have been a faulty process even if I understand the impulse, Adam, because, you, you know, based on your your fence-sitting-with-me comment, you know that I'm as petty as petty gets, and if I have to, you know, double down on being petty about something, I'm going to do it. So clearly that's not what happened here, and they waited out the market to a place where they could get something they perceived as value, and they did it. Like I said, um, the other rental pitcher that moved this offseason was Tyler Glass now. Um and honestly, that was kind of a similar return with Ryan Pepio going to the Rays and Johnny DeLuca going to the Rays, but without the guarantee that Burns would sign an extension. So if you compare those two together, I think this makes a lot of sense and this adds up in value. And Matt Arnold did his job. And I say this as someone that is by no means a shill for front offices. I just want to say that. Like, you've heard... I've. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry, ties here. Uh, turn it over to you, Adam. Oh, good. I thought you were just going to just go for it. Was what you meant no, there. no, no, no. I've, I, pre- I've I appreciate I've... it. Let's keep this clean. Let's get wide as possible audience. Um, yeah, I, I think, though, like to circle back I, to the hater part of this conversation, I like I just think these are better pieces in a deal like on the surface now to project out both in terms of Ability, potential, and even like need, like getting getting a young shortstop prospect who's ready to go, who can play some second. It's like whether it's your question marks over Bryce Terang, whether it's trying to replace Willie Adamas, like they're urgent needs for the Brewers um, in having some sense of what the picture looks like there. So I think that's pretty important. Um, getting a quality pitcher, like these are these are names the Orioles are they're the team that I have always brought up first and foremost for Corbin. They're the one we've seen. We've talked with them a lot. There have been a lot of offline conversations with many of our listeners in our, our Discord channel. These are names that have come up in various possible packages that were talked about really throughout much of last season and kind of leading up to this kind of point. I, I think it's I think it's a pretty good package. I mean, there's there's all kinds of elements to this, like to God, Corbin Burns, his last moments as a brewer. Um, we we talked about it at the time somewhat too. Of well, if this is kind of how he goes out, 
he went out with an absolute no show in the playoffs. Uh, he went out with a performance that I think was unfortunately representative of some of the lesser moments that were a little bit more frequent towards the end of his tenure. That's a pity. It's a pity we didn't get to kind of really get another taste of the highs that made him a Cy Young winner, that made him one of the best starters in all baseball. I do think this is right at a point, though. Like, if if the Brewers were, and we never really had to have conversations like this because the money was never going to be there, it was never going to be an option. If the Brewers were a team who could afford to go out and do that, though, I would have probably been voicing some concerns over, yeah, okay, you've got to pay a Corbin Burns if you've got the money and you've got the guy there already and he wants to stay. But at the same time, I do have questions over how his game is going to age. And that's not necessarily even like looking at health concerns like you might for other guys. It's just there has been an element to his career where when he goes down, it can really crash and then his his ups are really high. But you just wonder, it's it's going to be harder as he gets older for those kind of real, those high points to be as high as they once were. And if that's the case, then... and the best you see of him is closer to kind of, you know, an average level. Then some of those days where he doesn't have it, that hurts more and his numbers over the course of the season aren't as impressive. And I, we saw some of that last year. He could, he could bounce back. He could be better than ever. He could help lead the Orioles to a world series. I wouldn't be surprised though. If we see another season from him, that is pretty similar to what we saw at the Brewers last year, which is like a season you're very happy with overall for a starter. But I think drilling into it, and we talked about it even when we dished out grades, there was, there's a lot there that you're just like, you just want more from Corbin Burns. Like, that's that's another wrinkle in this, and it would have been a very different job he would have been asked to do if the Brewers kept him around, like, where he's always had, you know, he's been the number one guy, but there's been a 1A, 1B dynamic to some extent, and Freddie coming up fast, like, the starting ranks being tinned out and Woody's departure would have meant the pressure on Corbin to deliver like the truest of aces would have been greater in each start. I don't know, last kind of 18 months, there's been a lot more inconsistency there. Like the, the timing might just be right. I get the rage, not that I agree with it in any way or that I'm kind of relating to it. I just, Corbin Burns is a name. Like if you're a if you're a Brewers fan who you watch 10 games a season, 15 games a season, you watch no games, which you watched some three seasons ago, you're like, what? The Brewers are trading Corbin Burns and they're getting back to, you know, good-ish prospects, which is probably not even how someone who'd be annoyed about his thinking and a pick. What the hell's going on? The reality is he's gone. The Brewers don't have a ton of leverage here. And this still feels very much like maximizing what you're getting out of having to part ways with Corbin Burns. And that is, that's what we're facing up to. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, that that's all completely fair because I, I do think this is, a, uh, this is a great trade for Baltimore because this is exactly what they needed in their rotation because the guy – one of the guys like eating innings for them last year was Kyle Gibson. And now he's in uh, St. Louis. You've got other young pitchers in the rotation, like uh, Kyle Bradish, um, Grayson Rodriguez and uh, Dean Kramer. They've got John Means trying to come back. But the one thing they don't have is that close to 200 inning a season starter uh, who can come in and just be the number one and put up innings. And so I think it's perfect for them. Uh, they also have a just an embarrassment of riches up the middle. They've got obviously Jackson Holiday, Gunnar Henderson. They've got Jordan Westberg still available. Cody, uh, Kobe Mayo on a corner, who was the like real prize that I would have wanted in, in a Burns deal. So um, Joey Ortiz was surplus to requirements, and DL Hall was the necessary evil of getting this deal done. I would assume. So I think this is a situation where. The trade just makes so much sense for both teams with where they are. I do think that, like, he will not <laughs> resign with them. Like, I, I don't – they've obviously had a deal gone through where they've been sold, I think. It's, I don't know if it's finalized yet, but the Angeloses have sold them to private equity bros. I don't know the exact details on uh, them. Will that be a situation where they want to invest in payroll? I don't know. Generally, it's not when private equity comes in. They slash and burn and, uh, you know, try and maximize return on their investment. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. So I think it's the Orioles being okay with going all in on going a notch above what they did in 2023 with a roster that's ready made to compete and adding something that they just didn't have. But I think the Brewers in playing a two-timeline game, I guess we'll call it, where, okay, we're good getting in uh, as a wild card or winning the week NL Central, but also, like, we still need to cash in on assets while they're still flippable. I think it's a deal that just has made sense for both teams all offseason, and maybe your feeling as a Brewers fan is it's one chip short of being the all-in like return that you wanted. But overall, I think that's kind of not the way sports always works. You're not always going to get what you want. Shout out Mick Jagger. Um, but sometimes you get what you need. And I think in this case, it, it makes sense for both teams. I am going to miss watching – regular season locked in Corbin Burns pitch as much as anyone, but I'm also going to be very interested in seeing what <laughs> Joey Ortiz is and what DL Hall is and how 
you know, Matt Arnold uses his bonus pool in this year's draft to bring another collection of talented players to the Brewers system. So honestly, this is the name of the game and the deal you make and a deal you and I specifically made that we didn't have to make Adam when we chose to be Milwaukee Brewers fans. This is what we signed up for. And I think, you know, we'll be frustrated when the process is bad. We'll be frustrated when the, you know, the spending isn't what we want to be, but when something happens that makes sense, I just give a begrudging like tip of my cap and say, all right, on to the, to the next thing. And that next thing, you know, could happen very soon as spring training approaches. And the athletic just dropped their trade grades piece. I don't know if you want to hear these. Sounds like I don't based on the way you outlaid that. No, I'm I'm not quite saying that. I think largely what this will reflect is that they, this is being viewed as a win-win deal by people yeah. analyzing it more of a win for the Orioles, which I think is just like logical based in the, where they are at in the now of what they are looking to do. Um, Andy McCullough gives the Brewers a B, the Orioles an A. Stephen J. Nesbitt gives the Brewers a B minus, the Orioles an A. Will Salmon, Will Salmon is the person most down on this. Maybe it's because <laughs> he's at the most up, up close and personal Corbin Burns Brewers experience. C plus for the Brewers, A for the Orioles. And Eno Saris gives the Brewers a B and the Orioles an A. So generally it's B for the Brewers, A for the Orioles. I think that's fine. And I think to your point from the position the Brewers are operating on a deal like this, it's much harder to get an A return. <laughs> it might it might be borderline impossible. And that is not reason not to do the deal because I don't think keeping Burns and having him walk away and just coming out of it with a pick isn't necessarily going to give you like the makeup difference in that to get you to an A. I, I still think this is the smartest way they could have gone about this. Uh, one thing I'm thinking of here, what did Corbin's number come in at? This year was it thirteen million? Uh, they settled, so let me check on that. But that's a very great thought. Um, just you know, some some change has been found down the down the back of the sofa. If they wanted to go a certain route, to... uh, fifteen million six thirty seven five zero zero. According okay, to and we were already talking about kind of. $9 million worth to get back to about what they spent last year, if I remember correctly. So this does open up some flexibility for the Brewers in other ways, too, if they do want to still be competitive this year. I don't know what that is. Do you immediately go and say, okay, well, we got rid of Corbin Burns. Is there anyone we like out there in a starting pitching market who's, who's worth a flyer? Or do you say, hey, what if we, I don't know, go and pay Matt Chapman for one year? And just be free to reset on that and have a have a much improved outlook at third base too. They may just do none of that, but I guess that could be something that a week from now may factor into how we look at what this kind of this trade means in the now. You know, it could be that they're bringing back two quality players, they're getting a pick back, and it's giving them the financial flexibility to possibly spending at a deal done at another spot or add more to their roster so that's that's maybe something to just kind of 
I don't know, bookmark, put on the back burner and see how that develops. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, trying to scroll this list and see if there's any intriguing starting pitching options available. None, com none, none coming to mind at the moment. The, I mean, but... the only actual like high-level notable starter left is like Blake Snell, right? And that's yeah, and not... Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, right. But that neither of those are happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's it's probably a pretty significant cap. Like we'll see. They have options if if something is there that interests them. Um, as much as it might logically be a pitcher, that option might not be there. But yeah, maybe it could be a Chapman or something like that. Yeah, the the last that I heard on him, I can't remember if it was Morosi or someone else, had mentioned that the Cubs and Giants were the latter two in on him. I really wish Lucas Giolito had not signed uh, mm -hmm. at this point because that pillow deal would have been, you know, a great, um, not Burns replacement, but you know what I mean, just kind of a, a right-hander that has some, Pedigree, Michael Walk signed with the Royals. He would have been another good fit in this spot. Uh, do you want do you want some quotes? We've got hot off the presses. Uh, friend of the pod, Kurt Hogue, has relayed Matt Arnold's opening statement on the trade, which is a quote. Yeah, the, the overarching team is we're excited about the players we're getting back. The reality of our situation is that we had one year left for Corbin. Which is pretty succinct like that's it it's like if you can get players who are you know cost controlled you, you can have them under contract if things go well you like what you see for many many years to come and you got a guy that you've no chance of keeping and you're gonna lose decision kind of makes itself in some ways it's we we just on the last pod too it's like these are the kind of things the moment woody gets injured the whole story yeah. changes. It's because it's not like you are dealing from that pers that uh, position of strength, dealing in you know both senses of the world. If Woody hadn't been injured and was still a Brewer, it's maybe in some ways it's easier to trade Corbin. In other ways, you'd be like, oh, "Well, let's keep Corbin, let's keep Woody, and let's build a team that can go in a World Series this year." that just kind of changed the equation on all of that and the ways that you'd map that out. I wonder too, I don't know if you have any thoughts on, it's not going to be as glamorous. It's not going to be kind of in an upfront sense as obviously formidable, but I'm excited for what the starting pitching rotation is going to look like. You've obviously got Freddie up top. You've got Wade Miley gets very interesting in a hurry beyond that. We've, we've heard some talk about, you know, where Aaron Ashby's at and how the, the Brewers viewed him lately. I wonder is how he looks playing any part in some of this. Do they have confidence that he will be able to, to be a go from spring training and for the season and be a quality starter? I uh, gotta feel like this pushes well... I guess it depends if they want to go starter with DL Hall. And then where does Gasser come into the mix? 
where do some of the other kind of fringe options that they've picked up this offseason? Like, they are back in a place that we talked about where last year they had a lot of starting pitchers. Like, they had real depth. They certainly have real depth again. I think uh, I think they're going to get another right-handed starting pitcher. I just don't know where that's going to come from. And I don't know if it's going to come from the signing because as I was going through that list just now, the only name that stood out unsigned or every name that I saw was left-handed starting pitcher, like Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery in the high dollar figures, and then Hyunjin Ryu as the bounce back candidate who's also a lefty. So putting that out of my mind, is it, and we talked about this offline, is this a situation where, any kind of Willie Adams trade, maybe with the Los Angeles Dodgers, becomes uh, a spot where you try for a close to major league ready right-handed starting pitching prospect. I know you don't really go into trades like that, but I wonder if that's something that they could prioritize in return. Um, and Emmett Sheehan, uh, Gavin Stone, or Nick Frasso. I don't know. And uh, I mean, obviously, I think this puts wind in the sails of Colin Ray and Joe Ross and their bids of starting the opening day roster um, as a member of the Brewers starting rotation. But that, that's fine guess... too, though. Like the one thing on that and even on losing a Corbin Burns, like some of this could be the trade off where you've got Reese Hoskins now, and hopefully that's going to help your offense out. And it might be where if you could even add to your offense further, you are better positioned to win games with, Column rays of the world, for example. You know, you don't need they might go six man rotation like in full, sure. not just like the way they configure it where Corbin's always for the most part on that extra day of rest. Um one one thing that I'm so excited to see this year, whether or not they win 89 games or they win 75 games, is one of so I Adam I was gonna propose an idea for a podcast for me and you either next week or the week after or whenever, but we come to the table with one bold Brewers prediction for the year. And mine was Freddie Peralta gets Cy Young votes. And now Freddie Peralta is the nominal ace of this rotation. And what does he do with that? What does he do with kind of the symbolic role that he's going to play in this rotation and just, where he's kind of gotten to with his stuff, like because he's looked as electric as he's ever looked in his career at points last season, and does he take a level up and fill a void that is there to be filled in the top of the Brewers rotation, or is he, you know, what he usually is? I think it's a big question, but also I think one thing the Brewers can do, even if Freddie is not, you know, doing my hot take that I wanted to do for content purposes, uh can the Brewers patchwork a season together without a true ace, but with like seven, eight, nine guys that give you a certain amount of innings? I think they can. I think they've shown that in the past. I mean, if it, if our playoff rewatch from 2018 uh, taught us anything, it's that this organization has been able to get by with creative uses of their starting rotation and bullpen mixes. And I think that's something that could be in the cards for this season, but man, I hope that this Freddie hot take that I just unleashed right now is is something that pans out. Uh, we'll get back to that in a second. I was going to give you some more quotes. 
So again, these are all from Kurt Hoke. Um, Matt Arnold says, I wouldn't look at this as any kind of rebuild at all. He stresses that trading Burns while also signing Hoskins and Miley and extending Churio as an example, the balancing act the Brewers are trying to walk here of the presence versus of the present versus the future. And then on if the salary shed will go back into the current ball club, quote, we honestly have invested in our ball club. It depends on the situation. We've invested in Reese Hoskins, Jackson Churio, uh, and Kurt Hoke says that Martin Arnold says they have the support of ownership to do what they need. Um, just kind of, that's what I would have imagined. It's a wait and see if the right opportunity is there and someone is open to a deal, well, then a deal probably gets done. And if not, they will, they'll sit on that money. Um, I, I think the, the, to go back to circle back to your point, I think they can largely make up and perform at a not dramatically dissimilar level with like six, seven, eight, mid to kind of above average tier starters. And in part that's because of the division they're in and what has happened and what hasn't happened really around the NL Central. They're still incredibly well placed. And if for example Reese Hoskins has a big year and let's say Jackson Cheerio hits the ground running and looks like, you know, someone who depending where you look is somewhere from like one, two or three prospect in all of baseball. Like the Brewers could take off in a very different way, in a kind of way that hasn't been an option for them. We're optimistic of growth from a lot of a lot of the the freshmen from last year. Maybe Christian Yelich can put together another season like last year and even edge a little bit closer to some of the highs of that. Like there is a lot, I think, offensively to be intrigued and excited by with this team. I'm not going to guarantee that that will all materialize because plenty of it is a lot to ask, but we we haven't really had high hopes offensively in the past couple of years. And I think like if we want to just even pinpoint to two, Hoskins and Cherio, the difference that those two guys can make if they kind of even just meet what would be expectations for the year ahead without getting more in a lot of your other positions, the could be a really big deal. Like, don't forget just how good William Contreras is. If William Damas is not traded, like he is in a contract year, he's looking to prove something. Like, there is a lot of really strong pieces here. And those pitchers we're talking about, look, we know it can go at a moment's notice for a lot of the guys, and particularly some of them down towards the back end of that rotation. They are not the kind of pitchers, though, that I at least would feel dread about starting the season with. Like, they're guys who've all kind of proved they can they can handle this. They can do this. They're smart game managers. And then you've even got some upside with someone like Gasser or if Ashby's back healthy again, we know how good his stuff could be. Like, there's even a mix in that. It is not as exciting. It is not as good. Like, let's not mistake that. But the Brewers like starting rotation may never be as good again as it was for, for a large spell in recent years. Like that's, that's part of, you were always going to come to this point and 
a variety of factors have brought it earlier that you're now dealing with life without Corbin and Woody. It was probably natural that unless you just happen to produce two incredible pitchers or get everything right and you had the right prospects waiting, yeah, your next phase of improvement might have to rely on a different position group. You might have to start to look to your offense more. And I haven't even mentioned like the prospect of Tyler Black coming up and making a real impact. The Brewers do have players where they can and probably should look to their offense a little bit more this season and give the pitching a bit more of a helping hand. Like that's it's the thing you've got to invest in because you're not in that spot anymore where you can just bank on guys giving you six, seven, or eight and allowing no more than two to three runs. You, you're going to have to get run support, and I think they're a better place to, to deliver on that this season. As you mentioned that, the same thing that would have made me more likely to hang on to Corbin Burns is also what leaves me with saying, yeah, I fully support trading him and getting some kind of return beyond the draft pick is the Woodruff injury. Because we saw what happened where, like, I mean, arms and throwing baseballs is an unnatural motion. It leads to injuries. It leads to crazy injuries that you heal from and you come back from better than ever. And some where you're just done at 30, whatever it may be. So carrying Corbin Burns into this season, as good as I think he might be for the Orioles or would have been for the Brewers, one shoulder tweak and like he's done in May. You don't get the value you thought you were going to get out of him for 2024. And then you're like, Oh, should we make him the qualifying offer here or even not? And, and then you just lose him for nothing. And that's an extreme case, but it's also an extreme case. We just saw it in front of our eyes in a very different way. And the case that we may never watch Brandon Woodruff throw a pitch for anything again and seemingly not the Brewers unless you know our Brian Windhorse like uh theories come back into play at some point they freed up some salary I mean yeah but uh so it's like I get the frustration at trading another big name and a key pillar of this era of Brewers baseball but I think you come away with it making the tough move that you had to make. You know, I would love if Matt Arnold's answer was like, yeah, we got money back in the in the coffers. We're about to reinvest that. And uh, we're kind of add here, here, and here. But I still think something to that degree is a possibility. Um, but I also, the, the point he made about we're trying to like walk a balance and act where, you know, Miley's back, stabilized the middle of the rotation for know 100 to 150 innings god willing and reese hoskins on his bounce back mission um is here too and we got him on a reasonable deal we also cashed in on our most valuable asset that has one year remaining all of that lines up in my mind when you talk about the way the brewers operate whether by choice whether by market size both of these things combined this is just the reality of the situation and i think Matt Arnold did it show. <clears throat> and I'm dying over here. I don't know what happened. I've been talking about like firewalls and this security the, risk ratings all it's night. It's the work. It's probably the hotel room. It's the excitement. It's the wine. It's all these things. And they're all working together in town. Had a, had a nice uh, 
nice piece of yellowtail. That's a fish. I just want to get that out there. It's a fish uh, with some. I think uh, we we all thought it was a fish. Uh, some tandoori yogurt dressing that was fantastic. So, uh, some more quotes. Ron Arnold answered a question from Todd Rosie, Echo Journal Sentinel, on whether more trades should be expected. It's hard to say. At times, these deals come together very quickly. In other cases, they take a long time. Certainly open to more conversations. Take that, everyone, as the brewers are, in fact, open for business. Um, and also, when asked about the brewers' internal reports and Joey Ortiz, uh, the quote was that he's gold glove caliber, which does mesh with anything I had read, too. And I guess even, again, when we talk about, okay, this is not Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff's Brewers anymore. So the whole profile of your team has to change. And the kind of pitchers we're talking about there, got a lot of guys who are going to get softer contacts. They're different styles of pitchers. You've got something interesting brewing defensively for this season and for beyond that. If Ortiz can go out and deliver to that kind of potential defensively, hopefully Willie has a slightly better defensive season if he's around. And we already know how good Bryce Terang is. But if we're even projecting and we're to hope that maybe Ortiz and Bryce Terang are going to be your second baseman and shortstop beyond the upcoming season, like if Ortiz can, can live up to what's kind of expected of him in that department, that would be a nasty kind of defensive tandem. And if your pitching is going to be Maybe a little less reliant on, you know, just missing bats. If you're you're going to be dealing with more soft contacts, there is no harm with having some real high-quality defenders up the middle to turn some double plays and get you out of there. Anything else you want to get into? I mean, obviously... I just, we I, I'm curious for, for you on... DL Hall, what what should we expect this season in terms of role? And does does the nature of this trade dictate any part of that? Like in in Corbin Burns departing, do the Brewers automatically look and say, look, you were you were a bullpen guy in your opportunity last year, but you've been thought of as a future starter for a long time, and now we are building you towards being a starter, and that's kind of central this trade. Look, we could literally get quotes from Matt Arnold in the next couple of minutes, which would be nice. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on where we should be foreseeing him factoring into this. Because, I mean, that's also when you talk about the return and how people feel very quickly. Like, if DL Hall is a starter in his first year and he pitches really well as a starter, people will feel very happy about this trade in a hurry. Yeah, I think if he's healthy, they give him every opportunity to be a starter from day one, uh, just based on what I've read. I mean, last year, so I was reading on Baseball America, so he had a back injury in the offseason, hampered his ramp up going in 2013, left AAA Norfolk in June to undergo a a strength program and regain his velocity for the Orioles playoff push. The plan worked, and Hall was a bright spot in relief after closer Felix Batista's season-ending elbow injury. What they said about him going into this year before this trade was he'll be in the majors in 2024 as long as he's healthy. So the team's offseason moves might determine his role. So walking into a rotation where they're not spots locked up beyond 
Freddie Peralta, and Wade Miley. I would say everything else is up for grabs to a degree. Um, like they say, elite fastball from the left side, four picks, uh, four pitch mix. Um, yeah, I think you you run him out there to start this year if he's healthy and you see what you've got as a starter. And much like the plan probably has been with Ashby over the last few years is you know you, you've got the stuff. If he can showcase the ability to stay healthy, the ability to turn over a lineup, and the ability to have command over a certain sample size as a big league starter, you roll with it. And then the worst case is you have a guy that you think can be an elite shutdown reliever. And obviously the Brewers have another guy like that from the right-handed side who's not as old as T.L. Hall and Jacob Mizorowski. So you've got a number of guys ready and waiting to go or nearly ready that profile is either high upside starters or at the very least high leverage bullpen arms. And like you said, the trade's probably a win if Joey Ortiz is a major league regular, slightly above average uh, bat with a, like an elite glove. Like what we dream of with Bryce Terang, if you've got both of those up the middle or at least one of them, that's great. Or if D.L. Hall's a slightly above average major league starter or an elite bullpen arm. I think either one of those make this trade a win. And at the very least, the risk you took here fully makes sense. Um, and then who knows what happens with the draft pick? I mean, this is future projection, but I, I think getting that tack down to the back half of this is, is not nothing. I mean, it's, it's shaking out how your whole draft looks in 2024 and maybe grab a guy there at the 34th pick that turns into a solid contributor somewhere down the line. So like losing a Cy Young winner is obviously upsetting, but there are a lot of ways this goes where it's a win, even if it doesn't hit the full ceiling of what we think, like the ceiling of Joey Ortiz and Deal Hall is. And the long, the final sentence in the long win answer to your question is, I think they give Dio Hall every chance to start to start this year, and if it doesn't work out, and he's a another like fire throwing left hander at the end of the bullpen, I think it's a win too. Yeah, I mean, you you hope he's a starter. You hope probably Mizorowski's a starter. If they're not, you're in a position where your bullpen like very quickly could be Dio Hall, Mizorowski, Abner Uribe, like as as high leverage guys, and you're like. <laughs> You're you're moving on from Devin Williams and already back in a spot where you've got one of the craziest and most electric bullpens in baseball. And honestly, Devin is not necessarily part of the conversations we're having at the moment. But it might be in July. Exactly. I, I think I think a pitcher like DL Hall probably moves that along a little bit too. And you see how Gasser is developing, you see how Mizorowski and just how guys are gonna slot into your overall picture. But you could be in a position where, yeah, the time is right for that. Again, that that would be its own visceral thing. I think particularly with Corbin, though. I think if like if this is upsetting, like in a way, not that just, oh, I love watching him play and I'm going to miss him. But if it's like they're trading a Cy Young winner, I can't believe this. Like, you just can't have been paying attention. Like, this has been... Seen all the cards for a year. <laughs> like, we've been waiting for this day, really. Um, we may not have thought it was going to come now. We may have a doubts of whether it would come at all. 
And on the last party, we talked to you know, it's probably not for a lack of trying. Just the market is tough. And they may not have been able to get a deal they wanted. And here we go. They got a deal they wanted. But it's like the Brewers had already lost Corbin Burns. He was leaving anyway. They weren't going to be able to pay him. Bridges were certainly burned last year with how everything around arbitration played out. It's like, I don't know. I don't have any element of that kind of anger or emotional reaction. There was none of that, even in the time, because it's worth saying in the reporting, like the deal was reported by multiple people. It's close. It's been finalized. And we were still waiting on the return. And I wasn't like panicked being like, oh my God, the return better be good. They've just traded Corbin Burns. I was like, yeah, of course. Like, this has been on the, it's been on the cards. It's been coming. So, if you are having an outsized reaction, I guess the best we could do is reassure you, like, this is not, this is not the make or break thing for the Brewer season. And in part, it's probably worth all of us appreciating acknowledging as much as look in baseball things can click kind of a fairy tale year the brewers as they were constructed let's say to start last season was not a team that was well positioned to go and win a world series and what's happened with woody has further hurt them on that front like they just they would have needed the hottest of all hot streaks all of the look it's possible but it's not probable and even like if we're to go back to something that we make fun of and made fun of and i will continue to make fun of but i think is appropriate here like this is a case where the true if you want bites at the apple and you want quality bites at the apple I don't think it's necessarily being all in on what Corbin Burns is going to bring you and what that will do for your team this year it's trying to sustain and it's looking forward. It's like, yeah, Corbin Burns has been one of the guys in Milwaukee for a number of seasons. Guess what? We have a changing of the guard. Jackson Churio is about to be like the guy in Milwaukee. So you've got to start to build around a different timeline and work through a different process in your mind for how the Brewers will look, how they'll build out a roster batting order or rotations and ultimately what it will mean to you know what brewers baseball will mean i hate that kind of i always it really when council would say stuff like that i just don't like any descriptor of you know this is franchise x baseball but if we want to label it like that i i think like by necessity brewers baseball is going to start to look a little bit different because Time has changed. Guys have moved on. You got to work with what you've got, and they've got a very different profile of player. And to your point, the draft too. We're not at a point where we can say they've drafted very well yet, but they've drafted players even in the last couple of years who've rapidly ascended the ranks and performed very well in the minors and maybe in a position to contribute really soon. Like someone like Brock Wilkin is not like out of the question. We could see someone like him by maybe the end of the current season? Likely not, but it's in play. Another quality pick to have another shot to kind of keep going that road, particularly as you become a younger team. I'm all for it. And that's, of course, in addition to, you know, the pick they're going to get when Jackson Churio wins rookie of the year. That's true as well. But also, like, the willingness they've shown to move off of their traditional profile of, like, who they would draft, which is, like, an up-the-middle like safe pick 
contact first or something where well, they go Wilkin. We've had a change of top decision maker too. Like yes, yeah. I mean you go Wilkin power at a corner and then you like use some savings you got from that underslot deal to draft a up the middle like ceiling guy and a Cooper Pratt or, or was it Eric Petoni? Is that the is that yeah, the yeah. other guy's name? Um so I mean like I don't want to border on like you know some uh tropes that we see throughout just you know sports fan twitter in general but like let matt arnold's draft team cook i don't know maybe like i don't know are you gonna like rebrand your your twitter account to like matt arnold stan matt arnold season I, I don't think I can get that far. I could do a Discord name at some point if yeah, they yeah. like have Listen, really good drafts. We're, we're all yeah. aware. Everyone in Discord is aware. Wow. I can't, I can't keep up. Who's you? Who's Logan? It's always impossible to keep track. Uh, yeah. Oh, we're very Reese focused right now. Reese Hoskins. Uh, I've done some more research <laughs> since our last podcast, as I've told you. Uh, he's got a golden retriever named Rookie. Obviously, his work with the Muscular Dystrophy Foundations is like pulls at the heartstrings. I can be won so easily by off the field stuff. So Mark Con- Mark Canna leaves me. Adam Reese Hoskins is going to fill that void in my heart, at least for like the off field. Like, you know, I don't know this guy's soul. I don't know fully what he is. I don't know what he's going to do on the field. But based on everything I know, I think we could be best friends. So he has replaced Mark Canna in that role. Uh, I'll come true with one last tidbit again from Kurt Hogue. Shout out Kurt Hogue, uh, whose live tweeting has really come up clutch for us as we try to do a timely pod and reaction to this. He was asked by a follower um, if Matt Arnold said whether they view Hall as a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher. And Kurt said, Arnold said they want to wait to talk to Hall about it, says they envision him having success in either role. If I had to bet, though, Hall and the Brewers would both prefer giving starting a try. Yeah, that's I agree with them. Yeah. All right. I I think it's an exciting day. I mean, I look. There's naturally going to be some element of trepidation because I guess the other part of this, and maybe we'll. Maybe in our next episode, we'll do some more reflection on Corbin Burns' you know, Corbin Burns' legacy as a brewer and kind of think about it zoomed out. But part of this, too, and I, I could see how it will spark reaction, is this is bringing a curtain down on a great era of Brewers baseball. And I think in doing that, it's also... It's kind of, I don't know, relegating it to noble failure right it's like things were better than they had been for a long time really close almost all world series but ultimately we've now come true that group as such i mean yelly is still around and it's likely to be around for quite a few years yet and hopefully he's going to be productive and he can he can play a part as an elder statesman in the new look brewers but Moving on from Corbin, from Woody, from Josh Hader, even when he was traded, like this, it really does signal a handover of sorts. And with that, that means 
I think a group of players that a lot of Brewers fans really thought they could be the ones who could finally get this thing done and bring a World Series to Milwaukee ultimately didn't work out that way. So I get part of that too, but maybe like maybe in this case it's these are some of the pieces that you know add on to the next the next chapter of the story and help them to get closer or to get it done. We'll see. We will see. Uh, friends of the pod already messaging me. Um, upset, one upset, one not upset. So I'm ba- I'm balancing much like Matt Arnold, the reaction of two friends at him. Um, that's, that's very very good, thoughtful. You know, you're not just a Brewers podcaster; you're a Brewers therapist of sorts, you could say. For more Brewers therapy with Andrew Snyder and me. Subscribe where you get your podcast, Cruising for Bruising. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll have, I'm sure, more reaction to this trade and some details, I guess, on the reaction from the players involved, from Corbin Burns, from DL Hall, from Joey Ortiz. Subscribe. Cruising for Bruising. You'll never miss an episode. We've got you covered for all things Brewers. Yours that podcast network. The main feed, GSPN. That's where you get all things Milwaukee books. You get the Eurostep of Taiwanese Ron Caddy, and you get winning six with myself and Jordan Tresky. Uh, as you're listening to this, depending when you're listening to it, either already available or available soon to you will be an episode Jordan and I have recorded on Chris Middleton and just, you know, him trending in the right way, but also beyond that, his legacy and just how high he ranks in the annals of all time books. Great. And are people, are people ever going to start appreciating Chris Middleton while he's here? Or are they only going to realize when he's gone, that they just had the stupidest arguments about oh, top three, top four, top five book of all time. So that's, that's some of the conversation we had there. You can check that out. Uh, Numac and Jordan also either, already available or available to you soon recorded on some big news to Green Bay Packers new defense coordinator they break all of that down and last by no means least make time for this our most recent episode that we recorded of course talking all things movies and pop culture was on the upcoming slate of 2024 movies some of our most anticipated we had some Oscar nomination reaction in there and probably early to middle of the next week we'll be back with some conversation about Ferrari and the films of Michael Mann excited for that excited for the brewery season ahead thanks as always to all of you for listening thank you Andrew everyone take a breath Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.